Isn't that awesome? Those little guys. They, those guys were in the baby nursery when we first started going there. We've been going there, I think, five years, and we've, we weren't able to go last year. And uh, we will go back again as soon as we can. And we would love to take you with us on a mission trip. And Open Arms is a wonderful one to be a partner with, so that we made them strategic partner. Uh, Engage in Nicaragua is another one, and then Convoy of Hope. And so strategic partner just means for us that we invest a little bit more time and a little bit more money. But on top of that, we support 40 other missionaries on a monthly basis. And right now our missions budget is about about $3,500 a month. Uh, I have a goal, and it's a huge, audacious goal of $10,000 a month. I think it would be amazing if we had a missions budget of $10,000 where we're supporting every one of our Northwest Ministry Network uh, missionaries as well as uh, more strategic partners because getting the message where we can't take it is so important. You know, people ask me all the time, hey, how much of your budget goes to missions? I say 100% because we're a mission. Like we want to be a mission to our community and to our our people around us. But there's missions work that we're unable to do. And there's trained professionals that really know what they're doing that we can invest our money and our resources into. And you can do that by pledging to say, you know what, I'm going to be a missions faith uh, promise partner. So what you do is you just say out there in the lobby, you'll see a a faith promise card. Nobody will hunt you down. It's just you saying, hey, I'm going to give above and beyond my tithe this much a month for missions. If all of us, if all of us did $40 a month, just every giving person who already gives to the church, we would literally have the $10,000 a month. And uh, 40 bucks, I I bet, is a lot less than you spend on coffee a month. Uh, So worth it, very worth it. And so if you're a big coffee drinker. um, But we want to do this because we want to see the kingdom of God rapidly go out all around the world. And these missionaries are well worth funding. So if you want to do that, you can. I want to make sure we're giving you guys uh, information about our missionaries on a regular basis so you get to see them, know them, and all the things that we're doing. We started a series on Easter Sunday, and that series is called True North. We have today and next week are going to be our final weeks in this. And what we did on, on Easter is we said, okay, Jesus is the direction for life. He's where you get the bearings to like navigate all the hard decisions you have to make in your life. And so when we started this, we're like, okay, we're going to talk about things like racism, because that's been a big, huge topic this year. Uh, you know, um, sexual orientation and gender identity. We talked about that one. Uh, we talked about dealing with significant loss. Uh, we talked about dealing with just the pressures of life. Today, we're going to talk about one that's a little bit more fun, and it's one of my favorite subjects. We're going to talk about your family compass. Now, when I say family compass, some people are going, well, I've already raised my family. This is still going to apply to you, I promise. Uh, Some of you are going, I don't have a family yet. It is still going to apply to you because all of your relationships this stuff applies to that I want to talk about today, but it really is applicable if you're talking about raising a family. Tina and I met uh, in high school. So I saw this girl and I'm like, I knew she was the one and we dated for four years. It was love at first sight and just we've been together ever since, Uh, had our ups and downs in life like everybody else, but we dated for four years and on August 18th, 1990, 
we got married. And Tina said to me when we got married, she said, don't talk to me about kids for six years. Now, she said that because she had little, little brothers and sisters that she watched all the time. She did not want to watch kids. She just wanted to be married. And I said, no problem. I don't know where the six-year thing came from, but no problem. All I want is you and a ski nautique, and let's go water skiing. And that's what we did. We literally water skied uh, three to five times a week all through the summer and the spring and the fall. In the winter, we'd water ski once a week. It was just too hard to get the boat out there and all the coldness. But we had such a great time just playing together. Well, we didn't make it to the six-year mark quite. At four and a half years, uh, we were uh, going to work out at 24-Hour Fitness, and we were pulling into 24-Hour Fitness, and I, I don't remember if you remember this song or not, but the song Butterfly Kisses began to play. And as this song played, I started to like, I never heard it, and, and I started kind of just choking up, and, and I look over at Tina, and I'm, it's not been six years, so I'm not saying anything, and I'm kind of watching her, and, and I park the car, and I think, I'm just going to leave the car on. I want to hear the rest of this song, because I could tell she liked it, and I really was into it, and, and so this song plays out, and we're both kind of in tears, and not kind of, really in tears, and we're in front of 24-Hour Fitness, where I've got my gym clothes on, I'm ready to go work out, and I went, shake this off, let's go inside. We didn't talk about it, we just went inside. Well, later that summer, we were driving down to Southern California. We decided we were going to take the, the coast, and this was going to be our vacation. And so we were staying at little places along the way, and, and we stayed in Pismo Beach. And Tina went into a shop there in Pismo Beach, and I'm like, I don't want to go into another shop. Uh, I'll meet you out on the pier. So I walked out on the pier, and as I'm out on the pier, I'm looking down at the beach, and there's a dad, and he's teaching his kids how to surf. Now, I mean, I love this stuff, right? I'm like, and I'm, I'm just starting to cry because he's like, got this long board. He's just pushing them in the wave and they're riding and they're going, yeah, daddy. And I was like, I'm starting to, and Tina walks up. She's like, oh no. I'm like, well, I just, uh, and, and I'm just watch this. And she starts watching, she starts crying. I'm like, okay, we're, we're, we're in trouble because that feeling you get like in life where you just want to have more than just be you know you and 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 each other we wanted to have a baby and and so we we did we 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 found ourselves you know about a year and a half later which was at the six-year mark i don't know how she did it but she did uh and we were in the hospital and there in the hospital uh there was this little girl and they said uh, this is yours now take her home and i was like whoa i mean did how did you feel the first time they said, this is yours, you, you know, we know it's yours because it came from you guys. Now you guys are going home. And, and, and Tina read Growing Kids God's Way. Tina read, uh, you know, what to expect when you're expecting. I, I had read nothing. I just let her tell me what we were going to do. And, and so I mean, like, I'm like, I am not qualified. You have no idea. Like, I mean, really, I'm not the guy for this. But no, you are the guy for this. And we, we took this, this thing home. And, and it, this thing would stare up at me. And these little blue eyes were like looking up and like, take care of me, right? You're going to take care of me? I'm like, yeah, I, I, I think so. And I, I, I don't know about you, but like, I, I, I was kind of a little bit of a slow starter. I really just wanted to play in life and have my beautiful wife. And she was fine with that, and I was fine with that. But now this, this baby thing was like going, you're going to support me, right? I mean, and I'm like, hey, lights are on. There you go. I can see you guys. 
And I, I was like, you know what? Yes, I am. And, and I was kind of just bumping along through college. I wasn't real serious about it, but it was like, I needed a reason to finish and, and she was my reason. You know, I, I needed a reason to get a plan. I, I needed a reason to become more of a professional in my job. And, and this baby was my reason really to grow up. I need, I need to take care of this child. And, and so we had one and, and, and then two and, and then three. And, you know, I, I want to show you a picture. And, and this is my office desk. Okay, this right here is my desk here. If you go to the office, if you come in, you're going to see that that's what I look at. And you've got little girls on their left there. That's my little babies when they're little. And, and Tina and me. And, of course, water skiing. That was a big passion. And, and, and now they're all grown. These are my people. And, and, and I, just, I did this the first service, too. And I just wanted, and people are like going, yeah, I have people. And you know what's interesting is none of us are offended that we say, these are my people. What we mean by that is we care more about these people than anybody else in the world. Like, and no one's offended. Like, someone's like, well, you don't care about me that much? No, I don't. You know that. I, I care about these people more than anybody in the world. Why? Because they're my people. There's something in us that, that we long for this. There's, there's just some part of us that says, you know what? I really want to do this. And so, you know, we, we brought these kids into the world. And what was really amazing is, you know, we, we take this, this child home. We had this little house in Edmonds. And so we take this little girl home. And, and, you know, for us, we were bringing her into, you know, our little world. But for them... It's their entire world. It's their world. You know, and here Tina is, she's getting their rooms ready and, and she's painting and doing all kinds of stuff and decorating for girls because I didn't know how to do that, but I know how to do a yard. So I did a yard for girls and, and a fence and, and a play toy and, and a sandbox thing and, and all the stuff that you do for kids. And it was like, you know, we're, we're just off and running. We're, we're just doing this life thing. And you know what happened when we brought these kids into our world? You know what they did? They acted like total babies. They, they've done that their whole life. They just, like, it, what's crazy is I thought we would just do life my way. But then I got married and found out that she had an idea. And then we had children. You know what's crazy is each of them have an idea, like, about everything. They just, they, they, they just do what they want. Like, Jaylee would, like, she would get up when she wanted to get up, and she couldn't get up. She'd just scream, like, come and get me. And, and, you know, and she'd want to eat when she'd want to eat, and she'd make a mess everywhere she went. And, and as soon as they could walk, they started having... Any of you, like, your kid's favorite word was no? Yeah, it's my favorite word, too. No, no, stop that. Put that down. Don't do that. But why? Because, like, they have their own idea about life. And you know what this does? It puts pressure on you. What I found myself was I found myself tired. I found myself irritable. I, I found myself like not having the life that I thought that I would have. Anybody experience that? And what I've learned in life is this. That, you know, I've heard people say this. I hear, I hear it all the time. People go, well, you know, people who have a, a really great marriage, they're lucky. No, they're not. They're not. They're not. See, here's the deal. The grass is greener. And I can tell you because I have green grass. Come to my yard. It's green. My water bill is higher than yours. I guarantee it. So is my fertilizer bill. And I work at it. That's why it's green. Same with my marriage. 
People who have good kids, well, they're just lucky. No, they're not. They work at it. And what I've learned about this idea that Jesus said in John 10.10 that he wants us to have a rich and satisfying life is a rich and satisfying life is something that you plan for and then you work on it and then you readjust your plan and you work on it some more and you readjust your plan and you work on it some more. You learn a little bit more in scripture and you work on it some more and it's this constant thing that you're always tweaking. We have a saying in our household because I love high performance anything and my wife would just say to me, well, you want a high performance wife? High maintenance. High performance means high maintenance. You want a fast engine? You can have one. It's just high maintenance. You want green grass? No problem. It's just high maintenance. Anything that's high performance is high maintenance. If you want a high performing family, guess what? High maintenance. So today what I want to do is I want to ask you three thought-provoking questions about what's your plan for doing this thing called family. And, and here's the deal. You never, it's never too late. I still go to my parents for advice all the time. I'm 52 years old. I still watch my parents. I still get a lot of things from my parents. It's never too late. If you raise your kids, it's not too late. If you haven't had kids yet, this is perfect timing for you. In fact, this is stuff that you're going to want to revisit. And we've actually written these things down. We have talked about them. We've written them down. We've re-talked about them. We've re-planned. And I want to ask you some questions because if you don't ask these questions and you don't make a plan, you will slide into the path of least resistance. And that never works. So here's the first question. How would you describe the emotional climate of your home? What does it feel like at your house? What is, what is it like happening in there? When, what is the feeling that you get in your home? Now, you might be going, well, you know, they, they, they set the cult. They're the ones that set that. I mean, my kids are just everywhere, you know, or, or my spouse, he or she. You know, like, they're, they're the ones that are, I mean, no, you are the barometer of your home. In fact, if you're the adult, you can just turn to the person you came with and say, you're the adult. Just tell them you're the adult. And you set the tone in your home. So is it, is it joyful or sad? Is it happy or depressed? Is it peaceful or angry? Is it forgiving or bitter, loving or full of strife, close, distant, controlled or chaotic, patient or anxious, gentle or harsh? Is it a respectful place or is it rude? Is it humble or is it proud? Is it inclusive or excluding? I could go on. I mean, just all kinds of descriptor words. And what do you want when, like, okay, here's the deal. You go out and you do your stuff and you have all the stuff. And this stuff will even help you in your job, by the way, because you can set the tone there too. But like, what if you, like, you get done with your day and you come home and you, you know, you hit the garage door opener, you walk in the front door. And when you close that door, this is your world. What is it? Because what I want is a home that I want to go to. And I'm not talking about the, the square footage, and I'm not talking about the big screen TV. I'm talking about the emotional climate of your home. It is so important that you choose it. I found myself with the pressure of being a dad and the pressure of going to school and the pressure of you know, supporting all of this I found myself angry a lot. I don't know where you're at in what you... One of the things I struggle with is anger. 
I already am angry. You don't have to make me angry. I'm already there. Like, it's just part of me. Like, it's just kind of, like, I love football. It's a great sport for somebody who's angry inside. Um, I just loved it. Like, it was so great, you know. But I, you can't do that at home, especially if you're raising daughters. Like, it just doesn't work. And, and so I, I found myself going, I need to work on me. Tina and I began discussing because over the years we had written letters about a passage of scripture that was said in our wedding. And, and this might be said in your wedding. I say it in weddings that I do all the time because it means so much to me. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says, Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way, it's not irritable keeps no records of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It is always hopeful. It endures through every circumstance. And verse 8 says, love never fails. The Bible says God is love. When you invite God into your family, you invite God into your life, one of the most powerful things you could ever do is to pray together for your life and for your kids and for your family because God will be in agreement with you on that one because he wants you to have a great family life. And and like, I wanted these attributes, I wanted these things to, to really be a part of our family. But I found myself in, in just like not always seeing them. One of the, another powerful moment in our life was we had two toddlers and our pastor at the time, he read Galatians chapter five. And instead of describing them as fruit, like you would in an agricultural society, he described them as road signs. Like, you know, if you're going north on I-5, you, you know right away, it's Cedar Woolley and Burlington and Blaine and, you know, Canada, like in north, it says north, you're going north. And if you're really wanting to go south and, you know, you want to go to Portland, if you keep going that way, you're not going to get to Portland. It's just not going to happen unless you're in an airplane. You can fly over the, all the stuff and get all the way around there. And so here's the deal. What are the road signs of your life? And when he said that, it like clicked with me because I like driving and, and I compute. And, he, and it says this, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. Idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, ouch, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Now you need to understand the direction you're going if this is the road signs of your life. He says, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Ow. That's a serious deal. But, thanks for God for good news, but, turn the corner here, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. There's no law against these things. Now, I want you to know that like, when you give your life to Jesus, it's not instantaneous. In fact, like your purification from him is instantaneous, but your sanctification is a process. He, he helps us move through this. And so I want you to know that like, you have these ups and these downs, and we all go through stuff. But as I read these things and I looked, I'm like, you know what? Why am I yelling at a three-year-old? I'm bigger and I'm stronger, and I, whatever I do, 
tell them they do, they have to do. Why do I need to yell at them? That doesn't make any sense. Why am I upset? What, what is it inside of me? And you know what I, I really learned is, if you really want to have these things in your life, they're great to say, it's kind of like, I'm going to get married and we're just going to go for long walks on the beach. And it's going to be romantic. We're going to have sex every night. It's going to be great. Well, that's not how it works. Anyone who's been married knows it's not, it's not how it works. But if you really want to have romance, there's some things you've got to learn about romance. Well, if you want to be a great parent, there's some things you need to learn about yourself. Not them, you. Why do you do what you do? Why do I do what I do? What is it inside of me that's getting me going that, that, that I find myself yelling at a three-year-old? I really needed to know. Like, I mean, it's like, that just doesn't make sense. And so we began some self-study. In fact, some of the greatest advice I've ever had, and if you're going to take anything away from this message... I want you to take this away. Grow. Learn some things about you. You might go, I don't know where to start. Here's a couple places you can start. One is you can be a reader. Leaders are readers. Okay? And you're leading a family. Leaders are readers. Well, I don't like to read. I'm not a good reader. Me neither. I, I have to read. It's part of my life. It's just, that's what I need to do. You can also get books on tape. Almost all great books are audiobooks. So you can even listen to them. And there is so much information about parenting, about yourself. In fact, there's a book that I read called The Anger Trap. Not even about parenting, it's about me, right? I think this guy's reading my mail. Great book. There's books out there about anxiety. There's books out there about depression. There's books out there about, you name it, there's stuff out there. And you can start to grow and go, okay, what is it in me that's causing some of this, this stuff that gets stirred up and happening that I don't want it to have happen? Another really great thing, it's called the theory of praxis. Here's what the theory of praxis says. The theory of praxis is find somebody who does something well, ask them how they do it, and then do it. Don't ask them how they do it and don't do it. You got to ask them how they do it and then you got to do it. So we were like youth pastors, right? We're raising kids, we're youth pastors, and there were kids in our youth group like going, we want our teenagers to be like them. Do you know what we did? We went and asked them, what do you do? Do you know that every parent that we asked had one thing in common? Not one of them said, we just want our kids to be happy. Oh, that just makes me want to throw up. Seriously. Like, because the kid's idea of happiness is not what's really good, right? It's, it's never going to lead them to a place that's going to get them more stuff in life or, or more life in, abundantly. It's just going to lead them to skip math in fifth period because math in fifth period is boring. It's not happy. I want them to do math because they need it. They need it to move on in life. And, and so they would say things like, well, we want our kids to be disciplined. And so we have things like, you know, restriction of screen time. They only get so much screen time in their life, which means we only have so much screen time in our life, which is kind of a bummer because I'd like to have my screen in front of me more often. So we would ask them just, just different tools. Like we have dinner together three to four to five times a week because sitting around the table together and having a conversation without any screens is the most powerful thing you can do in your family. We eat together. We laugh together. Some of them said we do devotions together. We always pray with them. All of them said that they pray with them. And so we asked these parents, we're like going, you know, we need to do stuff like this. 
One of the moms we asked, it was so awesome. She goes, I'm not emotional at all. You can t-, and she's not. She was a bookkeeper. She's like, I'm not emotional at all. It's probably one of the best gifts I've ever given my kids. I'm not emotional. And you know what? Tina's not either. If they're not bleeding, hey, you're fine. All right? You're going to be all right. Just shake it off. Keep moving. Because right? like, they just didn't get the whiny stuff. Now, I'm not saying that's the, you know, because everyone's a little bit different, but Tina and I are real low on compassion. And so we're more low on, uh, high on practicality. And so our girls were like, we're going to keep moving. We're, we're going to keep going. Um, it was just a little bit different in our house. All of them said, they all have consequences. There's cause and effect. And if you do something bad, you have a bad result. If you do something good, you get a good result. You guys get to choose. So however you want to do it, you can do it. But we're going to walk with you, whether it's bad or whether it's good, whether it's easy or whether it's, it's a hard, we're going to just walk with you, but the consequences are yours. And they had to learn that from the age of two all the way through their life. And it's just super important. And so we ask people, we ask people who did good with their money. What do you do with money? How do you do it? Like some of this changed my life, Right. We asked people who had romance in their marriage and they really liked each other. It seemed like they're like, they're the people at church. They're kind of like us climbing all over each other. Like, hey, what do you do? Because like, that seems like that's a lot more better than, than, than what I've seen, you know, like the animosity. And they tell you and you just, you do it. Well, we've done those things, but there is still like didn't all fit together all the time. And so we went to counseling. We've done it individually. We've done it together. And, and some people will say, I can't afford counseling. And I just want you to know, you can't afford not to have counseling if you need counseling. Ask anybody who's divorced. Counseling's cheaper. A lot cheaper. Ask anybody who has like their kids going all kinds of sideways and rehab and all this stuff. Counseling is cheaper. If you'll invest in it in, in the front end, you really got to invest because it won't just happen. Other words we want our, our life to be. We want it to be fun. Fun is a high value in my world, okay? I need to have fun. I need to have fun a lot. And so we tell our kids, Morgan's bring the fun. So no matter what we're doing, we're going to have fun. Even if we're working, we're going to have fun um, because we bring the fun. We want it to be filled with laughter. We want it to be truthful. You can tell the truth in our house. You can be real here. No matter what you do, we will walk with you. It doesn't matter what. I will never be ashamed of you. You will always be mine. And no matter how dirty you get, I will help you get cleaned up. I promise you that you're my kid and I love you. And I value you more than anything. You're my people. The desk, right? You're my people. And so no matter what in our house, we want it to be celebratory. We want it to be romantic. I want my girls to have a husband that adores them and loves them. My number one prayer, as soon as I knew they were girls, and we found that out in the womb, that their husbands would love Jesus and adore my daughters. That's what I prayed. I, just, I want that so badly for them. And so what we need to be romantic. We need to have romance in our life. We want it to be overcoming, hardworking, determined, ambitious, restful, and safe. What do you want the climate of your home? Number two. What is your goal for parenting? What is your goal? Now, I'm going to tell you just straight up right now, and you might sound a little bit harsh, but my goal is that they don't live with me when they're adults. <laughs> Let's get real here. In fact, they're not living with me when they're adults. They all know that. I want them to have a rich and satisfying life. Now, when you start talking about what goal I have for parenting, I have to go back to why I had them in the first place. And I just got to tell you, all the reasons that I had children was about me. It was all about me. 
I, I wanted so badly that, that my kids would go, Daddy, you're my hero, and I would feel so good inside. Oh, we all want that. Come on, admit it. Right? We, I, I want, and this actually got to happen for me. Uh, a girl in high school that I actually dated in high school, she was at a track meet. I was at a track meet. We were watching our kids race, and she overheard my voice. She goes, I thought that was you. And she goes, oh, is your kid race? I said, yeah. She goes, which one is he? I said, the one in the front. I loved that. Because she won. My kid won the race. You know, I want to be able to say my kid got that 4-0 and my kid's got this job. My kid, I mean, like I, all the things were about me. Let me read a verse of scripture. Psalm 127 says this. Children are a gift from the Lord. They're a reward from him. Children who are born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hand. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. That was awesome. I have three daughters. How do you like my quiver? It was all, I just wanted to walk around and go, isn't this like... That's what I thought parenting was about. About me. It was about me and my quiver. But you know what I've learned? It's parenting has a purpose. Do you know what the purpose of an arrow is? Some of you are going, well, yeah, to be shot. Actually, arrows aren't shot. Did you know that? They're not. They're released. So you, you, you pull back the bow. I'm not going to put it in there because I don't want to make a mistake here. And, and you, you, pull, you, you pull back. And what is this? This is tension, right? Anybody a parent out there? This is parenting. And, and you pull this thing back. And you don't shoot it, because if you do, you, like, you push it, it won't go anywhere. It'll just kind of go, plop. That's the controlling parent. I'm just going to push this thing. No, you pull back, and you just release it. And the straighter and truer the arrow, the more effective the arrow is. How does this become straight and true? just like it was for us. Our little world is their entire world. They will become what we are. If I want my girls to be honest, they must witness a dad who's honest. Like when they turn 12 and the movie ticket goes up. How much is your integrity worth? Or I was blessed enough to where I could make enough money to buy them a car. I told them if they would get good grades and they were respectful to their mom and to each other and they do what they're supposed to do, I will get them a car. It's a car with strings. I will pull it back whenever I don't see them doing those things, but I will get you a car. And when I did, and we had to go to the DMV and we had to pay the taxes 9%, I didn't lie. Because honesty in our house is worth a lot more than 9%. If I want my girls to be hardworking, they are going to have to witness a hard worker. If I want my girls to be sexually pure, I must be sexually pure. They will become what you are. Well, they won't know. They're asleep. No, they know. They know. Mom, Dad, they know. 
The reason I know is because I was a youth pastor for 18 years. I pastored hundreds and hundreds of students. They know. If I want my kids to be forgiving, I'm going to have to forgive them. I'm going to have to forgive their mom. I'm going to have to forgive my neighbor. That's not easy, is it? And I can only do my part, just like everyone else can only do their part, but like it's all of these things we want. Straight and true arrows fly straight and true. I'm going to close really quick with what is the biggest thing you want for your kids? What do you really, really, really want for your kids? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. It's John 14, 6. When I brought Jay Lee home, my boss at the time, he's such a great family man. He said, enjoy every minute because before you know it, it'll be over and they'll be out and that'll be another part of the journey, but enjoy every minute. And he said, Matt, this must be more important. Your marriage and your kids must be more important than this. I'm speaking as your boss. This must be more important than your job. You're not going to spend your entire life helping people know Jesus and your own girls miss him. And you know what's really hard about this is you don't get to choose. I don't get to choose if they love Jesus. It's not my choice. I can't choose it for them. But what I can do is expose them to Jesus through my relationship with him and my relationship with them. Because kids see the Father through the earthly prism of their parents. A prism reflects light. And so what is the relationship that we have with Jesus? We pray with our girls every day, multiple times a day. We pray before they go to school. We pray when they come home. We pray at night for for any meal we have. We pray when they go to bed. Just an exposing. And we always told them, loving Jesus is your choice. If you want to give your life to Jesus, you can do that. But they went to church. The reason they went to church is because we went to church. And you know what I noticed about families that like the kids who are still in church after they, they graduate? To a T, their family was always in church and their family served at church. They served together. Because we want our kids to be servants, so we gotta teach them to serve. I love how Sarah Best's mom last week said that she taught them to serve. She learned that because she was there. Our kids went to camp. Our kids would do all these different youth groups. They went to youth group. Why? Because that's where they're going to get exposed to Jesus. And it's so critical that we have these habits in our life of, of prayer, of reading scripture, of going to church and being with the family of God, of serving there because then your kids get that exposure. But here's the deal. It's not your decision whether they love Jesus or not. It's theirs. It's really important that you let them know that. That you're not forcing them to do anything. And I really believe as we let them choose that, they will choose him because he's irresistible. There might be seasons where they're not. They, you don't need to be offended by that. You don't need to be afraid of it. You, you don't need to, like if they ask really hard questions and or they don't believe in God right now, that's okay. He's big enough to show himself to them. But you just keep living that out for them.
You keep being that for them. There's no magic formula, but there are some things that you can do. And what I want to do is I want to pray for you. I want to pray that we have strong, strong families, that you have a strong marriage, you have a great life, that when you go home, you say, I like being here. So Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd pour your spirit into each and every person here whether they have kids at home or a spouse at home or, or whether they have just by themselves, whatever they're with, that God, that they would be able to apply these things to their life so that they could have a rich and satisfying life. That when they go home, it's an environment where they just kind of just go, oh, finally home. And they love it. I pray for anyone here who doesn't have a relationship with you and they're ready to give their life to you, Lord, that they would just take a moment and say, Jesus I need a relationship with you. Jesus, I give you my life. I pray you'd forgive me of all of my sins. There are many. Help me figure out all the stuff that I do. Become so real in my life and reveal yourself through the Holy Spirit, Lord, and help me to be more like you. Because I give you my life today. And I pray you'd bless each and every person in Jesus' name. Amen.